Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message. All right. So we've been uh, in this altar series, which I think has been kind of amazing. And we've talked about altars being places of remembrance and altars being places of sacrifice and altars being places of worship. Today, we're going to talk about the altar of dedication. Okay? Uh, Listen, a dedication and a resolution are not the same thing. Have you ever made a New Year's resolution? A resolution, it even has the word solution right in it. When I resolve to do something, I'm trying to solve a problem that I see. And so a resolution is me making a decision to make a change. I've got a roll of fat around my belly, so my resolution this year is not to eat four Twinkies before bed every night. That's a resolution. I've made a decision. And resolutions almost always fail because they're commitments we make to ourselves. And we're liars. We lie to ourselves all the time. I'm going to do this, man. I'm going to get up. I'm going to work out every day. You liar. You're not going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to stop eating my four Twinkies before bed and a pint of ice cream. No, you're not. You're not. You're making a, you're making a deal with yourself. It's not going to happen. Dedication is different. A resolution is a decision I make to solve a problem I see in my life, but a dedication is a commitment to the purposes and the will of God. A dedication is not a deal I make with myself. A dedication is a promise I make to God, and it sets something in action in the heavenly realms. Today we're going to talk about starting our year with a dedication, not a resolution. You ready for that? Oh, man, four people are ready for that. The rest of you guys are like, no, if a, re- if a resolution isn't going to work, a dedication isn't going to work. Listen, are you ready to make a dedication to Jesus Christ that is going to change your life and your household? Okay, that's better. I can continue now. That wasn't good. All right, here's a, def- a definition of dedication. To dedicate is to zealously devote something for a greater purpose. If you're taking notes, A dedication is a zealous devotion of something to a greater purpose. When you dedicate something to the Lord, it becomes holy. When I make a resolution, it doesn't become holy. When I make a dedication, it becomes holy. It sanctifies something. In fact, there's a Hebrew word, kadash. Kadash means to consecrate, and kadash means to dedicate for divine purpose, to sanctify to hallow, to declare sacred. So in the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament, when you came to an altar to dedicate something, you were giving that thing over to the purposes of God. You remember the word says, what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, what we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is binding something to the purposes of God, and it catalyzes spiritual power and a spiritual connection that's really hard to break. Resolutions, are fragile and breakable. Anyone ever here? Anyone here ever break a resolution? Yeah. The rest of you are such liars. I can't believe that we just worship Jesus in the presence of God, and you're lying to me right now. Anybody ever break a resolution? Okay. Now, thank you. I appreciate that. Resolutions are fragile and they're breakable, but dedications are sturdy and they're binding. 
A dedication is actually hard to get out of. Uh, how many people we got in the house that are saved? One of the first great dedications you made was your dedication to follow Jesus Christ. I've told you this story before, but, but uh, I was laying in the grass at the Laguna Gloria Art Museum in Austin, Texas, and Jesus showed up, and he started telling me how much he loved me, and he told me about the cross. And when he finished sharing the gospel with me, I said, if you love me that much, I can't spit in the face of that kind of love anymore. I'll do anything you want me to for the rest of my life. I dedicated my life to him. And when you dedicate your life to something, it's hard to get out of. It's actually hard to get unsaved. Because you, you cooperate with a binding between heaven and earth when you dedicate something. You're bound to the Lord when you dedicate. And you know what? If I try to walk away from him, I'm miserable. Have you ever talked, have you ever tried that? You ever tried to get away from salvation or run from God? It'll make you miserable. You know why? Because you're tied to him. You've dedicated yourself to him. I remember just a few years after being saved, I went to the Brownsville Revival, and at the Brownsville Revival, I received my calling. Lyndall Cooley was the worship leader at the time, and all kinds of powerful things were happening in the house. I was nobody doing nothing, just a kid who was saved, and he called down to the front everybody who was a worship leader. And my feet just started going, and my friend turned around and goes, what are you doing? I said, I don't know, my feet. And so my feet walked me down to the front, and instead of turning around and running the other way, when the Lord calls you to the altar of dedication, just go. Don't turn around and run the other way. Instead of turning around and running the other way, I stood there with all these people who were actually in ministry, feeling like a complete faker because I was not in ministry. And I received the calling of serving the worship of God. Listen, I can change my job. I can go to another area of the country. I can go to another country altogether, but I will never be happy in life unless I'm serving the worship of the Most High God because I dedicated myself to his purpose in my life. You get what I'm saying? There's a bond that happened, a binding that happened. Um, have you ever heard someone say something like, oh, old John, you know, he's a, he's a devoted bachelor, but old Mary finally got him to the altar. Right? Finally got him to the altar. Well, they're talking about the altar of decision. They're talking about the altar of dedication. So a wedding is an altar of dedication. Have you ever wondered why it's so easy to get into a marriage and so hard to get out of? <laughs> huh? Because you made a dedication at the altar. And when you did that, it catalyzed something in the heavenly realms, and there is a bond that's stronger than a social contract between you and that person. In fact, if you wanted to break a dedication in the Bible, if you dedicated land to the Lord, in order to get it back, you had to pay 120%, not just 100%. You had to pay 120%. That's why it's so hard to break a dedication. He's trying to tell the people of God, once you dedicate something to me, it's going to be hard to get it back you got to be careful what you dedicate. Some of you have come up here over the years and you've brought your infants to the Lord. You've dedicated your children to the Lord. We dedicated all of our... Do you know that in, in the Old Testament, you don't even have to dedicate your firstborn because your firstborn is automatically dedicated to the Lord. In fact, you have to bring sacrifices to redeem your firstborn because the firstborn belongs to God. 
but we dedicate all of our children to the Lord. And that doesn't mean they don't get to make a decision about whether or not they follow God. But when I dedicated my kids to the Lord, there was something that happened in the heavenly realms that bound their hearts towards the Lord. So they can run wherever they want all through their lives, but they will never be happy unless they're in relationship with Jesus Christ because I dedicated them to the Lord. That's why some of you have friends that can get up to all kinds of mischief and it never hurts their hearts, but you can't. The reason is because you're dedicated to the Lord and you'll never be happy until you're fulfilling your dedication. You are spiritually bound to Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. So kingdom culture is a culture of dedication. When, when God was leading the Israelites out of slavery into worship of him, into a new culture, he had to teach them about dedication culture. So there's a whole chapter in Leviticus 27. I encourage you to look it up yourself. There's an entire chapter on how to dedicate stuff to God, how to dedicate your children to God, how to dedicate your home to the Lord, how to dedicate land to the Lord, flocks to the Lord, wealth to the Lord. The Israelites had a way of life. It was a dedication way of life. And they would dedicate a portion of everything they had to the Lord, and when they did, everything else was blessed. That's the idea. When I dedicate something to God, he comes and he blesses everything else. Here's the principle. Every time the people of God approach the altar of God in dedication, he responds with his presence and his blessing. Now, in 2000, wait, what is this? 2023, 2020, this is the first time I've ever said that. I don't know how to say it yet. In 2023, I want the presence of God and the blessing of God on my household. I want, I tell you what, 2023 is, is looking like it's gonna be hardcore. There's a lot of prophecies that are not good about what may be happening in our country, and you do not wanna walk through the valley of the shadow of death by yourself. In 2023, I want Jesus with me. I want Jesus with my kids. I want Jesus in my house. I want Jesus in my marriage. I want Jesus in my finances. And dedication leads to habitation. That's how it works. I'm going to show you, there's a model in the Bible. I'm going to show you three instances that the dedication led uh, to habitation. Ready for that? If you're taking notes, the first one is in Leviticus 9. This is 1445 BC. Moses just came down the mountain. We talked about this a few weeks ago. And he's instructing the Israelites how to build a tabernacle. Once he's done telling them how to do it and they build this tabernacle, they come to dedicate themselves to the Lord and to dedicate the tabernacle as the house of God. Now watch this. This is Leviticus 9. Verse 6, Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded you to do. Watch, so that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. I want the glory of the Lord to appear to you. So he's given them instructions. When you make a resolution, you're making up your own instructions. When I make a dedication, God gives me instructions, and I follow the instructions, right? It's different. Verse 7, then Moses said to Aaron, come to the altar and sacrifice your sin offerings and your burnt offerings to purify yourself and the people. Then present the offerings of the people to purify them, making them right with the Lord just as he commanded. There's the dedication. He came to the altar and dedicated himself and the people of God to the Lord. Now watch what happens. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting, and when they came out, they blessed the people. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
May the Lord lift up his countenance towards you and give you peace. That was the blessing. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. Why did they shout for joy and fall face down? Because they were a people who were slaves and had just become the only nation on earth that had a God who shows up. Dedication leads to habitation. And this place that was a tabernacle became a house of God where he shows up when they came to the altar of dedication. Cool? Number two, the dedication of Solomon's temple. 966 BC, David had wanted to build a house for God because David was a man after God's own heart. The problem was David had blood on his hands. He was a man of violence. He'd fought a lot of wars, killed a bunch of giants, also killed one of his best men. He killed some folks. So the Lord didn't want him to build a house of peace for him. So God told him his son could do it, Solomon. So Solomon did what was in his father's heart and built a temple for the Lord. Now this is in 1 Kings 8. We're going to start with verse 63. It says, Solomon offered a sacrifice of fellowship offerings to the Lord, 22,000 cattle. Woo! That's like Texas. And 120,000 sheep and goats. That's like Oklahoma. Just kidding. So the king and all the Israelites dedicated the temple of the Lord. They came to the altar of dedication. Look what happens. 1 Kings 8, 10 through 11. When the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. Can you imagine this place being so filled with the glory of God that nobody could lead worship? Nobody could play their instrument. Nobody could get up and preach because the glory of the Lord was so powerful. I've, I've actually been in situations like that where every time someone got up to grab a microphone, they fell down on their face or they fell down on their back because the power of God was too powerful in the room. Imagine that. And we're thinking, God, I'm a priest. I'm supposed to serve you. The point in the service is the habitation, right? The point is not the service. So the priest couldn't do their work. Who cares? The Lord was there. That's the whole point. Dedication leads to habitation. That's the second one. You guys good? This is the third one. 33 AD, the dedication of the disciples at Pentecost. Jesus had died on the cross. By the way, do you understand that it wasn't Jesus' idea to go to the cross? It wasn't a resolution that he made in his heart. He didn't make a resolution. It was his father's idea. And Jesus was committed to his father's divine purpose. So instead of a resolution, Jesus made a dedication to do what his father called him to do, and he went to the cross. And when Jesus went to the cross, his dedication turned into habitation, and now we have access to the spirit of the living God. That's powerful. Jesus goes to the cross. He dies. He resurrects. He comes back and he spends time with his friends and his disciples and his family. And then he ascends back into, into heaven again. But before he goes, he tells them to wait in Jerusalem for the promise that's coming, right? The promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is Acts 2, verse 24. It says, all the believers devoted themselves dedication. See it? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, 
and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. So they've, even though Jesus has, has already gone back into heaven, he told them to wait. One of the keys to dedication is obedience. Jesus, you're not making this up on the fly. Jesus tells you what to do, you do it. He says, wait, they dedicated themselves. We're just going to wait. Well, what do we do? We're sitting around here waiting. Well, let's read the word. Let's read some scripture. Let's, let's learn some stuff. Let's pray. We're sitting around waiting. Let's serve the Lord while we do it. Then in Acts 2, 1 through 4, it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Dedication leads to habitation. Then what looked like flames of tongues or fire appeared and settled on each one of them. You know what happened in the tabernacle? They dedicated themselves at the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. At the temple, they dedicated themselves, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. At Pentecost, they dedicated themselves, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. Each disciple became an individual dwelling place for the living God. That's what 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says. Do you not know your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. Why did God fill the room and why did God fill each one of those people? Because dedication leads to habitation. Now let me ask you a question. What would have happened if they hadn't obeyed? What if they hadn't waited what if they hadn't hung around in that room? What if Solomon hadn't brought the sacrifices that the Lord asked? What if Moses and Aaron hadn't brought the sacrifices that the Lord had asked? What if the people of Israel hadn't brought the sacrifices? If, if the disciples hadn't waited in that room, we don't know what the story would be. We don't know because that's not what happened. They obeyed, but that's what they were told to do. If they'd scattered, who knows? Maybe the Holy Spirit wouldn't have been poured out. Wouldn't that be lame for us? Dedication is, is intricately tied to obedience. It has to be. That's the hard part for us because we're kind of funny people. We want to be blessed, but we really don't want to obey that much. I don't know if you noticed. I don't know how your parenting went, but I had a few kids that had to be disciplined to obey. You know, the Bible says, uh, the, the Bible says spare the rod and spoil the child. So there are a few times I had to apply the rod, of under, the, the rod of correction to the seat of understanding, you know what I mean? And because obedience isn't natural. R rebellion is natural. So dedication actually takes something supernatural from us. I told my kids over the years, the Bible says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but I'm pretty sure the Hebrew word actually means but. Foolishness is bound up in the butt of your child, and the rod of correction will drive it far from them. You just need to knock the fool out of that butt is what needs to happen. I'm not saying to abuse your children. Pastor Zach didn't say to abuse your Don't be like that. Come on, it's funny. So in, in 2012... And I've told you guys this before, but, but it's just germane. So in 2012, we had a first conference at our church in Texas. And I'd always had to serve all of the conferences. And so there's five days 
Um, we meet together, we worship, we pray together, we'll do uh, devotional together as a church. There's a 40-day fast everybody takes together, and it's awesome, but it's exhausting. And so in 2012, I was planting another campus with a team, and so I didn't actually have to lead worship because we hadn't opened up our campus yet. We were still in the preparation phases. And so I was at, at the South Lake campus in the back, and I was sitting there listening with everybody else as Pastor Robert was preaching, And Pastor Robert asked this question and asked everyone to seek the Lord for an answer. And the question was, what is the Lord asking you to do this year? Pretty simple, right? What is the Lord asking you to do? So I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, what are you asking me to do this year? And answer popped into my head like that. You know what it was? God speaks really flowery, like King James English to some people. He doesn't talk like that to me at all. He goes, when are you going to do what I told you to do? Like, that's exactly what, when are you going to do what I told you to do? And I'm like, oh. I really, when we ask God for things, we always want him to tell us the one thing we don't, you know, the one thing we do want to do, the easy thing. But that thing we don't want to do, that's the thing we don't want him to point out to us. When are you going to do what I told you to do? So for 10 years, I had been teaching this material on worship. I taught it in schools. I taught it to worship pastors. I taught it in colleges. I've been a professor at a college. For 10 years, I'd been teaching this stuff and developing this curriculum. And I knew that God wanted me to make it into a book, but I was scared. I was scared that it was going to be hard. I was scared that it was going to be lame. I was scared it was going to be rejected. I was scared of what was going to happen to me and my family when the spiritual attack ratcheted up because I was obeying God. I was, I was afraid that it was going to, instead of a book, it was just going to be a coffee coaster and people were just going to put it on their side tables and, and it was going to get coffee rings on it. I was just going to waste my time and my family's time. I was afraid of criticism. I was afraid of all kinds of stuff. So I had been in disobedience in my heart for years Then then the pastor says, ask God what you should do. I ask him. He says, when are you going to do what I told you to do? Ah! Dedication begins with obedience. So I asked God to forgive me, and I got down on my knees, and I dedicated myself to obey him to write a book. And when you dedicate yourself to something, you have to set something apart for it, set time apart. So I set apart one day a week, and I went to my friend's house. Jen and I have uh, friends named the Jacksons at the time. They were living in our neighborhood, and neither one of them was home on Thursdays. So every Thursday, I would go to their house, and I would walk around in circles, and I would pray and dedicate myself to the Lord until the Spirit of the Lord filled that house. And I could feel my hair tingle and, and the hair stand up on the back of my neck, and I knew, okay, the Lord's in the house. And then I sit down and write. So I wrote for one day per week for 13 weeks, one chapter, one week. The next chapter, the next week. The next chapter, the next week. And I wrote a book in obedience to God in 13 weeks with no guaranteeing anything would happen to it. I had no idea what was going to happen. All I knew was that I was done disobeying and I was going to dedicate myself to his purpose in my life. So you guys have seen this. I've shown it to you before. This is the book. It's now in nine languages. In fact, I just got a call, which, you know what? Even if nothing happened, it doesn't matter. That's, my job is not to make a thing happen. My job is to obey Jesus. That's my job. The results are up to him. The obedience is mine. So I just got a call from um, 
from a friend who's a worship leader in, in, in mostly in Central America, and they wanted me to say hi to some of the students because they're having a group and they're studying. 150 worship pastors from Central and South America are studying that book. Now, it would have taken me forever to be able to influence 150 churches in Central and South America by myself. But I obeyed the Lord, and what I dedicated, he inhabited and blessed. Right? What is the Lord asking you to dedicate to him? Um, there was a little boy. He's about 11 years old. This is uh, the early 60s. So um, his dad had told him, I don't want you smoking, son. Smoking's not good for you. I don't want you to do that. But all of his heroes smoked. All of the cool guys in the movies smoked. All of the elegant ladies smoked. And so there's always this temptation in his heart. Man, I wonder what that's like. Everybody I look up to in the cinema smokes. And so one day he was kicking around out in a field, and somebody must have just dropped their cigarettes because he found uh, a pack of cigarettes with three cigarettes inside of it. And he gets this temptation well up inside of his heart. And he goes looking around and scrounging and finds a box of of matches. And he goes out behind the garage and he lights up one of those cigarettes. And he's hacking and he's coughing and he's no good at it. And once he's finally just beginning to get the hang of this, just beginning to be able to inhale without, without puking and coughing. And he hears the sound of heavy feet coming around the corner. He jumps behind two trash cans and and puts the cigarette behind his back. And who should come around the corner but larger than life and twice as intimidating? His dad. His dad comes clomping around the corner and looks straight at him. And and the, the kid's mind panics. He thinks, I've got to distract him. He'll murder me. I have to find anything to distract him. And so he remembers he'd just been downtown earlier that week. And he remembers an advertisement for the Barnums and Bailey Ringling Brothers whatever circus. And he goes, hey, dad, I just saw the circus is in town. Remember you promised to take us to the circus? Can we go to the circus this weekend? And his dad looks at him and sniffs and goes, son, never make a request while holding, never make a request while hiding smoldering disobedience behind your back. (laughs) Huh? (laughs) Son, never make a request while hiding smoldering disobedience behind your back. Dedication is not a thing I make up in my head. It's not my solution to a problem in my life. Dedication is when the Lord asks something of me and I give it, dedicate it to him. Is when the Lord tells me to do something and I do it. Is when the Lord tells me to stop doing something and I dedicate myself to not doing that thing. A dedication is a setting apart to the Lord of something for his divine purposes. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.